Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's old talent. That don't work. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And this is attempt number two of starting <laughs> our recording. <laughs> Full disclosure. Uh, but it's, you know, episode number three where we're going to talk about the GLTA board. And we're trying, you know, this will be the last time because we're going to put a button on this conversation about the board and the executive who decided not to hold an election. The new detail being that a group of past tournament directors, are they mostly past or are they past and current tournament directors? Ooh, I, you know what? I'm so sensitive now to giving misinformation that I opened up the actual post again. <laughs> so it's at least past tournament directors, but potentially confirming allegedly that there might be current <laughs> tournament directors. <laughs> anyway, at least there's past ones, and they have called one more time on the current GLTA executive to hold elections. Right. So last week when we shared this story on the podcast, you know, we clearly talked about how this is a clearly a polarizing issue. Uh, we know this to be true because all of the comments that came from the you know official communication from the executive saying that they were not going to hold elections. There are clearly many people on the side of the executive saying, like, girl, we are in a pandemic. This is the least of our worries. Just allow the executive to continue on with another year. And then, of course, you have the people on the opposite side that are saying, you know, elections must take place. There's nothing in the bylaws that allow for the executive to make a unilateral decision, the unilater unilateral decision that they did. And, you know, just like many other people in their fields of work, they've gone to Zoom. And so having an election at this time is definitely plausible. So you had those two competing sides kind of go at it on the GLTA lounge discussion board. And just like Jason said, an official letter representing a bunch of, you know, um, GLTA members, commissioners and former board members formally put a letter together saying that, you know, they believe that the decision of the executive to extend their term should be reversed. So in layman's laywoman's terms, girl, you better you better hold those elections. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked about this already. We agree that. The organization wants to present itself as professional. It has bylaws and governing structure and elects board members for a reason. All of these people who are on the board are, you know, there's a couple from the U.S., but there's other regions in the globe where people are represented. And as we shared before, Zoom stocks have gone up a bajillion percent. So everybody's using it. It doesn't seem like 
there's any reason why you couldn't hold an election. Yeah, you know, and the reason why I guess I was sharing with Jason right before our recording, the one comment that came from this official letter from, you know, the swath of people that, you know, wrote the open letter to the executive um, comes from UK, a tennis player that Jason and I both met at the CGO a couple of years ago. And he wrote on the string of messages, he said, Quote, been following a lot of these posts recently and can't help but feel sad at all these heated arguments and tensions between many of my good friends. <laughs> the GLT I joined over 10 years ago and the GLT I joined over 10 years ago is about sharing a love for tennis with our relatively small LGBT community. Please, whatever your views about the politics of the organization, don't let this distract you from the goals of why we exist. Let's stay united and share the love. Cringe post, maybe, but I really mean it. <laughs> X, X, X. Just one X, sorry. So the reason why this got me riled up was we are at a point in, I think, our political landscape, in our social landscape, in in just society in general where you know love and hugs and rainbows and unicorns are just not fucking enough you know and it's not to say that these things aren't valid like i'm not trying to invalidate this person's feelings about you know his want to have more unity obviously we all know that having more unity is what the end goal is but we need to all be adults here and have hard conversations with our friends and acknowledge that the person that's sitting in front of you may not agree with you politically or may not agree with you when it comes to the executive's unilateral decision and compromising and communication and talking things out is also an extension and gesture of love so when this person shared this you know lovey-dovey oh let's just let's just love each other let's put on our speedos and like hug each other and let's go to grand canaria and like let's just live it's like girl you know what like that's all well and good but you know i got a little bit of like let's kind of not not acknowledge that there is an issue and just kind of put it in a box which i think is very unhealthy and that's all i wanted to share period yeah, and even your expression there to in response to somebody else's comment comes from a place of love. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yes. Even though it may not come across that way. <laughs> it does. And I think to your point, people have differing opinions on how things should go. People may want to run for the board who feel like they can contribute meaningfully from their own place of love and people want to have that opportunity so we shouldn't <clears throat> forego um, the idea of contributing to an organization that is set up and run as a not-for-profit and as a board and as professional and use the excuse of you know kumbaya as a means of of getting in the way of those things yeah just like tina Go yeah, because Kumbaya should bring those things together and uh, all the voices together. And why not have an election? Yeah, exactly. I think we just have to get really clear what it means to love each other and to have unity. You know, it doesn't mean that we ignore because I'm just speaking from a place of personal experience. Like, you know, ignoring real problems is not is not 
a demonstration of love. It's actually a demonstration of like of ignorance, I think. And we have to get to a place where hard conversations can happen because that's where people grow, mm-hmm. you know. And we can't call ourselves a community if we don't have those hard conversations. But again, this is going on and on. But I agree with you, Jason, one zillion percent. Yeah, we're going to button that up. We button that shit up, yo. (laughs) Unless there's more juice. Yeah, yes. Unless there's like a significant amount of tasty juice that comes out of this freshly squeezed grapefruit. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on, we wanted to capture the theme, I think, of court execution (laughs) today. And, you know, I wanted to kick off that particular conversation by, you know, acknowledging the efforts and growth of my compatriot, (laughs) my co-host over the last several weeks. As you've heard us discuss, he has been trying to focus, in large part, we've talked about him trying to focus on his forehand, but I do believe that focus on that particular stroke has extended to other parts of her game of course i'm talking about aldwin lawrence sumaga <laughs> good try <laughs> sumagai sumagay sumagay <laughs> we'll go with that one somewhat gay um <laughs> and uh yeah he is now sort of tipped the lever in his favor in terms of our head-to-head matchup so he he is now in in the lead in terms of ongoing and consistent defeats of moi yeah and i didn't know that that day would come because it was a long ass drought it was match dozens of matches back to back years i might have had like one a match a practice match every now and then but it was a long ass time, yeah, like at maybe, least two years. I think I maybe think. you needed that that good cry on the court that that day. I mean, you know, and I've I've stuck to this story. You have to, and it again creates a connection with its story from before, and probably will be a running thread for this podcast. But you know, in order to grow, you have to. So my focus on the court now is to do different things than I did before. You know, I remember. One of my really good friends, Tracy, that I used to work with at Holt Renfrew, she was talking about her personal goal was to find someone to marry. And she kept on dating the same deadbeats. Maybe we can make some kind of analogy with the Serena Williams metaphor that she used about breaking up with a boyfriend, not able, not being able to execute the right. end of matches. Anyway, so what she said to me was, you know, you can't, you can't get a different result unless you try something different. And... For two years, playing against Jason, I thought that the game that I had, the two-handed, forehand, and backhand, the same serve, the same kind of mental approach was going to allow me to win. But just like Tracy said, how could I expect to win if I was doing the same freaking things on the court over and over again? So for starters, for me, like, you know, learning the one-handed forehand has been a growing pain for me. But... Yeah, it's starting to bear some fruit, and that's kind of my focus on the court, is to try something different, and honestly, girl, what have I got to lose? I'm not I'm not in Vienna like Rublev trying to get a tournament championship. You know, <laughs> I'm just trying to improve myself, and, you know, I think 
just to kind of give it a nice neat little bow like in my mind i have an idea of what my best looks like and i still want to achieve that so well i mean when we had our match on saturday i thought your best was was pretty much there when you beat me six three six two and i don't think i played terribly but you're you were executing in every way and even when i felt like i was hitting balls deep um to your forehand or to your backhand you were getting to them balls and executing and i was trying a bit more to come in to the net and close and and yes sometimes i wasn't um, executing even on easy balls I was trying to do you know that swinging Venus forehand which <laughs> I, I ain't no Venus and you know she ain't the same Venus she used to be but she could still do it better than me <laughs> in my efforts uh, on Saturday but you know you you your execution started I think with the serve your serve has gotten a lot better and you've tightened up your double faults um, at mm. least on Saturday so you're winning a lot of easy um you're winning games fairly easily i think i only broke you uh, one game and you broke me like four um and you're you executing well even uh, at the net and you know as you said luck favors what did you say luck favors luck favors the brave luck favors the brave so because you've become more brave with your game um your luck on the court is also um improving uh so not that you you weren't um winning more points because you deserve them but you had some some luck um better luck than i usually get which is a clip off the tape and it falls over on your side (laughs) of the net (laughs) but you were like scooping up you i told you about that one ball you scooped up off your backhand side when i hit uh, hit hit it deep to your backhand and you hit a winner. I was like so irritated and, and all I heard was come on, come on. You you know <laughs> it's funny because like I do kind of I don't know I guess I feel slightly embarrassed when I hear you. I don't know just you know give me positive feedback on my game. It's not something that I'm used to, but I mean as you're talking about it, lots of things are coming up. I mean one thing maybe that people don't know about me is that. I think Jason knows this about me, but like I can get really in my head. And so when I'm losing a match or if I'm not hitting a shot or executing, as Jason says, well, you know, I will have a lot of negative self-talk and I'll carry that self-talk with me into the next point. And actually, funny enough, I hope Jeannie's listening because Jeannie really has helped me with this mental side of the game. She posted on her IG that she has become a big fan of Eckhart Tolle, who is a spiritual leader and has written a book called The Power of Now. And so it's all about staying in the present state of mind. And so that's kind of my practice on and off the court is that, you know, on the court, if I've lost a point or if I've won a point, I go back to that service line or I go back to that return spot and say, I literally say the power of now. I say nothing matters anymore except this point. And I, it really has helped me to just kind of stay present. And, you know, you've actually taught me that too, because, you know, how many times have we said in a previous, have I said in a previous podcast, like I'll look over at Jason and Jason looks like fucking Steffi Graf. You don't know whether that bitch is winning or losing. She has the same (laughs) expression over and over again, but you know what it is to Jason's advantage because I believe he is always in the present and 
Yeah, and just kind of takes it point by point, and that's really also helped. So for all y'all struggling out there with like the mental part of it, power of now, get to the baseline, think about that one point. I have to say, you know, I don't necessarily agree <laughs> that with Aldwin that that's all that he says because there <laughs> there is often a very lengthy dialogue that's happening that I sort of hear snippets of and I wanted <laughs> I told you I was going to ask you this so um, it's not a surprise to you but what else is it that you're saying to yourself <laughs> I heard something about uh, I, I think the game that I did break you on you had missed a ball um, just <laughs> I think you had just missed a backhand it had just sailed wide and you were you said something about margins margins, margins. Yeah. yeah, like there are a few key words that I say to myself over and over again. Uh, margins is one of them because, you know, I have a penchant for trying to hit to the line because I think I'm fucking Monica Sellis and I'm not. <laughs> so margins. Um, I'll say things like accelerate because when I get really nervous or, you know, I'm not playing as clean as I am, it's because I'm slowing down. So I'll be like, fucking accelerate, Aldwin. And the one that I said over and over on Saturday was execute because... You know, Jason and I and Ryan and I and we've been and Cam and I've been playing at Supreme every week and I've been practicing certain things. And it's about for me now, it's about execution. It's like doing all the right things to the point that you are in a winning position and you just have to have that finishing finishing shot. And when I was missing on Saturday, was I kept on saying you're doing all the right things. You just have to execute. So that's like my annoying consistent you know audible conversation to myself that i'm having on the court <laughs> mm -hmm. i did i did overhear you say that um yeah. in our match so yeah i just want to i thought it was worth you know giving you some kudos after all of the conversations we've had on this show about wanting to improve and sticking with a shot and and working on something and knowing that you you can you can choose to win Mm -hmm. uh, or you can choose to improve and then, you know, hopefully later on in your career, win more. Yeah. Okay, listen, we're not going to segue to another story quite yet because I did notice something about your game as well. Or... So, yeah. So, you know, you and I being tennis besties, obviously we're trying to level each other up. And, you know, after our match, we had enough time to play a couple of um, tiebreakers. And Jay was coming in and she was serving and volleying and i told this bitch i said you know what this is your game i don't know what you're doing in the back and you know when i first met jay russell and i we were you know being our shady bitchy selves on the side of the court at howard park watching you play some random person and we're like oh this girl has nice feel why doesn't this bitch go to the net and that's what you were doing in the tie breaks and you're being aggressive in that way and i think that that is like whether it's like a serve and volley or like a serve and, you know, a couple of points to get into the net, like that's, you're doing that really well. And also, sorry, I'm just going to put the spotlight on you. Talk about your backhand. You were yeah. hitting it a lot on Saturday. Yeah, that's a shot that I'm continuing to try to stick with um, and not revert back to the slice. I, I seem to I would say I revert back to the slice on higher balls but yeah I and and you've told me this before you feel like my technique is actually better on my backhand even though it's it's still a weaker shot I mean you and you were taking it trying to take advantage of my backhand to be honest 
Yeah, girl, I was trying to hit every ball to the back end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I just kept w- trying to hit the driving backhand, and I, I think I did pretty well. So Yeah, you did. I mean, I think it's funny because... I see your backhand in the same evolution as your forehand. Like, I didn't see you hit one driving cross-court backhand. Everything was down the line, which is funny because that's how your forehand is. But, you know, you'll get there. You'll get there. And then it'll be another teeter-totter situation where, like, you're going to win for the next five years. (laughs) We'll we'll tip the scale one more time. We'll just go back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, You know, we, we have to level our games up as we prepare for winter team tennis which we're going to talk about also mm-hmm. but first in terms of execution we wanted to talk about the russian executioner Ooh, is the, that his new moniker for ut4 the ruthless relentless <laughs> ruby red rublev <laughs> did you just make that up on the spot no i was thinking about it <laughs> prepared but, yeah but he is now tops in terms of titles for the year i mean it seems like there were only five atp tournaments and he won all of them (laughs) he won he's won the last three 500 events in a row that's insane hamburg insane st petersburg and now vienna vienna yeah that uh final was crazy i mean i shared with you a couple of stats that um, throughout the tournament, he had only lost like eight points on his first serve, and he like only... the in- the entire freaking tournament. Yeah, that's what the commentators had shared, and I didn't, you know, look up the stats to see if that was correct. But I assume the the ATP commentators on the tube were telling me the truth. <laughs> if they're yeah, not I mean, a politician, they were telling me the truth. They've got fact checkers to do all that research for them, so why yeah. would why would they get it wrong? And he lost only nine points in that on his serve in that match. So it goes to show that he probably didn't miss too many first serves and lost most of the points pro- uh, on the second serve. And then he he ran the gambit of of net points as well. And his his ground strokes are crazy. Like he's just ruthless and relentless. Yeah, that's what I noticed about Rublev too. I said, you know, th- this guy. I mean, when he had won the previous tournaments, you know, I figured there should be some attention put on this guy. So I was like, let me watch this final against Sinego. And that was my note to myself, is that every shot is executed perfectly, and he has an insane amount of acceleration. I mean, I watched his slow-mos of his forehand and his serve, and he's like Gumby. Like his follow through on his forehand, like wraps around his body twenty five times. Like that's incredible. He's mm-hmm. you know I'm feeling him. This he's girl. De- he's definitely one to watch, and I, I think we pointed out on a previous podcast, but he only tends to grunt on his forehand. Yeah. Okay. What's up with that? Actually, I don't know. So I when I watched the match, he. He actually grunts on his forehand, doesn't grunt on his backhand, but also grunts on specific balls on his forehand. I'm finding that he's grunting on balls where he has a little bit more time and it's not and is not pressed. Yeah. Like almost like a setup like okay, I'm going to hit I'm going to fucking hit this ball. <laughs> so I'm going to grunt. I mean, give it a little extra oomph is what I'm getting from the yeah. grunt. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little oomph. Yeah. So he's now qualified for the World Tour Finals, which is pretty cool. A good a good achievement for a player his age. How old is he? Oh, good question. I guess if I'm saying his age, I should know how old he is. Well, is I he mean, like twenty one or twenty two. I mean, need I don't know, but needless to say, he's young and he's had a fire season. Fire. I would. E- I would even dare say that, you know, although Nadal won, you know, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the French Open and team won the U.S. Open and it was his first Grand Slam title, Rublev to me is the ATP player of the year. You know, I think con- so consistent. And it's funny because the commentators did say about Rublev in that final that he does have a greediness when it comes to giving up points. And that's what... I think I'm aspiring to try and be. It's like he doesn't give up a point on a ridiculous mistake. You know, he's very greedy. He really, you know, he's super consistent, super aggressive, and he really makes the opponent, his opponent earn and win the point. That's why he's so difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he must have been working on his game during the shutdown because I remember watching him in Dubai and he was fairly inconsistent. I think he played Dan Evans in, in that match and he was hitting a lot of balls, you know, pretty far out and, and wide. So mm-hmm. he definitely tightened his game. Um, but he had already won, I think, ter- two tournaments prior to the shutdown and now he's added three more. So yeah, I agree. He's reached five finals and he's got five titles this year. So he should be considered... Uh, among the players of the year. Yeah, it's it'll be really interesting to watch that um, ATP Tour Finals because you have a lot of, you know, you've got the last two Grand Slam champions. You've got, um, what's his face, Rublev now with now in the mix. So I'm I'm very fascinated. I I think it, considering that there's no WTA Tour Finals in China, we we're gonna I'm just gonna pop my popcorn and excited to watch all the round robin action. Yeah, November 14th. Tune in, peeps. Yeah. And for this player of the year, are you going to give it to Rublev or the guy that hit the lineswoman in the throat? Joko. It's possible. He's won anything, four titles. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. So come on, honey bun. Come on our show. <laughs> I still give it to Rublev. I yeah. mean, though he doesn't have a slam in his pocket, I still give it to him for consistency. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So um, speaking of... Russian control. <laughs> we wanted to talk about Tommy Trent, <laughs> our lovely captain, and the iron like <laughs> grip he has put on our yellow team already. Exactly. Okay. Can I pose a question to you to start off this segment? Yes. So, you know, for all of our dedicated podcast listeners, all of you know that Jason was our team captain for Pray the Gray, Pray the Gray Away, our team for last year's winter team season. And, you know, Jason did a stand-up job. He was um, really great at rallying the troops, at um, making sure that, you know, people were following the rules, etc. However, in the first week since finding out that we were on Team Yellow, I mean, to say that Jason and I received a barrage of messages from Tommy and the other players is a severe understatement. Like, I don't think that I've gotten that much communication from a team captain 
ever. And so I just like, do you feel, <laughs> do you feel like, do you feel at all in over the past week? Like, did you have a thought to yourself of, should I have done this last year? <laughs> <laughs> or, or should I remove myself from the WhatsApp chat group? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, Tommy does a, an amazing job, but I think it's sort of as the quote f- from one of my favorite comedy shows, Mad TV goes, <laughs> Tommy is at a whole nother level. He's a whole nother level in terms of organization. I mean, we just got our schedule and we got organized last week. Don't you know he ordered them shirts? He did. Don't you know he's cataloged them 15 potential team names and asked us to pick our top two? I know. Sorry, side note. I'm really proud of myself because that that one of the days where that, you know, particular conversation was was like the you know, was part of the thread. I, I added <laughs> I added my suggestion for our team name because I was so devastated that I didn't think of some Lamona Halleps. <laughs> so I added Thomas Mustard. <laughs> yeah, well done. Thanks. Thomas Mustard. <laughs> and don't you know he's tried to coordinate a team practice for 14 players at Mayfair? Like, dang, sis, like we were we got we were on the right team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was about doing none of that. I was about making sure <laughs> I remembered to bring the tennis balls to the court and that people, <laughs> you know, got them subs when they couldn't play in a week. Yeah, listen, I I'm not going to make comparisons on this podcast because clearly you're my best friend and former team captain. Um, I guess team captains just do it differently, but I mean, let's just give a little bit of background. Tommy also is the um, GLTA, what's his official title? He's the CGO tournament director. Correct. For the Canadian Gay Open, which is our um, Gay Gay and Lesbian Tennis Alliance tournament here in Toronto. And... I tell Tommy every year, I mean, like, you want to get shit done? Tommy is your man. He will plan from A to Z, and it runs like clockwork. So it does definitely does not surprise me that we have had all of this communication to, you know, in the first week since the winter team tennis teams were announced. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking to... I'm looking forward to the some, uh, Limona Halep's taking the court. <laughs> I'm, you know, just putting in the plug for my favorite. I like Limona Halep's. We have to be Limona Halep's. And I even suggested that instead of, I mean, I know it's too late because we already um, decided on our team image on the T-shirt. But wouldn't it be funny to get a caricature of Le- Simona Halep but with her head as a lemon? <laughs> Because she's sick due to COVID and she she's <laughs> turned yellow. I mean, maybe. Well, oh. her symptoms are mild. Okay. Well, They're I mean, mild. I'm I'm very glad that her symptoms are mild. Same. Um, yeah, she was one of the players that tested positive recently. Yeah, I, I mean, remember we talked in a previous podcast. We're like, what is up with the women? Like, all of the men. Well, many of the men on the ATP tour have tested positive, and there was not one damn WTA female player that was in the news for testing positive, and here we go. The number two player in the world, Miss Simona Halep. Mm-hmm. The the de facto number one player in the world, because nobody knows where Barty is. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot for... You know, that's so bad. I When I was thinking number one player in my head, did, do you know who I was thinking about? 
No. I was thinking about Naomi Osaka. Oh. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah. How does how does Barty still have the number one ranking? I don't she know. Has... You know, our listeners point out a few of our listeners have pointed out that you know maybe we would be better podcasters if we knew who the top 100 players are oh i know shady and maybe you know maybe we would also be better podcasters if we knew how the point system works (laughs) i admittedly don't know and i think that's part of the charm of our little program here or as my mom would call it program (laughs) it's that we don't pretend to know everything about what it is that we're talking about we do our best we come on here we use the word allegedly (laughs) and we talk about what's important to us we talk about our own game we talk about what's in the news we talk about the tour but um yeah we we don't always know everything but we do know simona tested positive we don't know how i don't particularly know where she was at the time but we we hope she's doing well yeah, I mean, to read her official statement on Twister. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. <laughs> Helen Hunt, right? Mm-hmm. With the with the cow in the tornado. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to talk about the CGI of that, but not, not for today. <laughs> anyway, she says on Twitter, Hi, everyone. I wanted to let you know that I tested positive for COVID-19. I am self-isolating at home and I'm recovering well from mild symptoms. I feel good. We will get through this together. End quote. Okay, question. Who's going to get through this together? And who's the, like, who's the we? Like, I don't have COVID, so how are we going to get this through this together, girl? Yeah, I think there's this general feeling of being part of this global community who is going through this, and so she's putting herself within that community, except for the fact that Nobody has uh, very few people have the tens of millions of dollars that she's made. Yeah. And so, you know, when I heard about Halep testing positive, my immediate question was, and I mean, just to provide a little bit of context, we all know that Europe is in an up is in a period of an uptick in terms of covid infections. In fact, countries like France and Germany are like putting the lockdown on that shit again. France okay. had its highest case count today, 52,000. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, in the same theme of not knowing everything, I'm not exactly sure why France is in an uptick. Is it because the measures are not as strict? Is it because there's a cultural difference in terms of people breaking their social bubbles? I'm not sure. I, I for the record, don't know why there's an uptick. But having said that, I mean, the question to me that I wanted to pose to you, Jay, is, you know, are we now in a stage where we've been living with COVID since March? And there's a lot of people coming out saying, you know, yes, it's important to have measures. Yes, it's important to have protocol. But are we kind of should we accept that COVID is just going to infect a bunch of people like you're going to get infected eventually i'm going to get infected eventually and that's just something to accept about the reality of the situation that is a very good <laughs> a very tough question i mean it is an axe similar to the flu so it's just i guess a bit more contagious and as has been sort of scientifically shown it's a bit more deadly although 
doesn't impact young people as much. So, you know, I think you and I talked about the stats in Ontario, the death rate for people under 50, me being above 40, you being (laughs) below 40 is very low. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, and there, there does seem to be this, um, immunity that's happening because um, not a lot of people are getting reinfected. I think the number of people reinfected has been low. So, you know, I don't know. I think we are, there is sort of COVID fatigue Mm -hmm. that is happening. Um, These tennis events are going on and, and they've, they haven't been canceled um, despite the fact that the first wave was probably less severe now than the second wave. And there mm-hmm. is now this, um, the Paris masters, which is happening. And I don't know how many fans they are allowing, um, at this stage on a day when they've had their highest daily case count ever. So I don't know. I think we are going to be living with this for a while. And even when there is a vaccine, it will persist. And the measures I think will need to be in place. Um, but yeah, people just need to do their best to stay safe and continue to wear a mask and, and, um, maybe maintain a smaller bubble. So I don't know how, how Simona got it and what, how, what, what penetrated her bubble. (laughs) I know we, no one knows how, what penetrated her bubble, but you know, on that note, um, Linz is also continuing you know, so the the penultimate tournament on the WTA calendar is still happening, despite the fact that, again, there is an uptick of cases. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, people be- or governments believe or governments are taking the, you know, the temperature of people's feelings toward the virus. And they're trying to find ways to continue with day to day life, but also trying to you know, make sure that people's health and safety is at the forefront, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, moving on to other things that have been penetrated. (laughs) I'm really excited to know what you're going to segue to now. (laughs) And the, you know, the execution that might occur in the bedroom. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I get it. (laughs) Uh, Zverev, our friend Alexander Zverev, after having two successful tournament wins at the 250 level, both, I believe, in, in Cologne, mm-hmm. um, found out that he is now going to be a, a daddy. Yeah, he's a baby daddy at 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's 22 now and will be a baby daddy once the baby is born at 23, correct? Yes, got it, got it. I mean, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. okay. Allegedly. A legend. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so he, do you want to share or do, do you have um, his post that he shared on social media? Obviously, there was a couple things going on. There was like a bit of a triangle situation that was happening where he found out that his current ex or his most recent ex uh, was pregnant and uh, five months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the same time or around the same time, a previous ex uh, who he was dating around the U.S. Open of 2019? Yes, 2019. Alleged that he tried to choke her. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Like, ch- like that's serious. Let's tackle the baby daddy story first. Mm-hmm. So Brenda Patea, ex-girlfriend of um, Zverev, 
like Jason said, announced that she was 20 weeks pregnant. And, you know, a couple of interesting things came out of that announcement. She basically said straight up, like, she had no plans on sharing custody with him. You know, in her interview, she says, you know, anyone who lives by the side of an athlete has to submit. That is out of the question for me. And I'm interpreting that what she said to mean that, you know, when you are dating a high performance, high profile, successful athlete, your life together becomes their life. So just like Sam Query took his damn wife and his little boy to Russia and, you know, just a little side note, no one still knows where the fuck he is because I try (laughs) to put feelers out there and he is a ghost. (laughs) So, you know, back to what she said, you know, when you are a partner with someone that's successful in sport, everything has to be about them. And she was like, that is not for me. I'm in a situation where I can take care of this child on my own. So this baby daddy situation, like, I'm good. I can I can take care of my baby. But Zverev, I don't have the full response here. He did say, quote, I will become a father at 23, and I'm very much looking forward to the child. You know, I do believe that from what I saw on Instagram, the initial... Um, statement came out in german and so like i found this translation again to be really right a bit the off. child <laughs> yeah like i'm looking i'm very much looking forward to the child i'm like oh i'm not sure what you mean by that but i get your intention <laughs> um and so yeah i mean that's pretty much it he's gonna become a baby daddy and i mean just like brenda said it was not planned so he's got to step up in the responsibility category because we all know he was up in the club mm-hmm Probably five months ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? After he was seen partying uh, at the club, you know, during the Adria tour. So, you know, we can go on and on about like, you know, inferring about his personal choices and maybe how immature he is. But now he's going to be a father and he has to step up the responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, don't send us nasty emails because I used the word <laughs> penetration to segue to this topic. We obviously wish him well and we wish his ex-girlfriend well and we hope that they can figure it out because obviously there is a bit of contention there regarding um, sharing custody. Um, both have contributed to the creation of the baby through said penetration that I talked about. <laughs> and uh, I think they're going to need to have a conversation about that. In terms of the allegations against him uh, from the other ex at the U.S. Open, mm. what what's your take on that whole situation? Is it somebody who has come out of the woodwork to try and pounce or... Are we in a situation where we have to look at the allegations seriously? Yeah, I mean, I think any time allegations come forward, we have to take them seriously, especially allegations of this nature. So her name is Olga Sharipova. She spoke to Russian publication, sports publication, Championat, and she said that, you know, during the 2019 U.S. Open, her and her ex-boyfriend Zverev got into in an argument and he tried to strangle her with a pillow and tried to hit her head against the wall and so those are like that's abuse that's that's literally abuse and of course i think we have to look at these allegations seriously but funny enough when we posted this story to our ready playtimes podcast instagram you know there were a lot of people that stated that they really didn't care about his personal life that they would have that they would rather focus on his tennis prowess his performance but i mean 
I think that when you are in the spotlight, you, I mean, we all obviously want him to do well on the tennis court, but no one wants to hear someone that they admire and that has a platform like he does, possibly allegedly doing these kinds of things to his ex-girlfriend is what I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I think they were probably referring to the pregnancy part of the story and not the potential strangulation with a pillow, which sounds not quite possible unless that's like a really long pillow and like is able to stretch in a certain way. But I mean, he's a dude and he's fairly strong so that I mean, if she what she alleges is true, I'm sure it, it it's possible that he could do something like that. Not that he did. But, you know, it, it it like you said, it has to be, I guess, investigated. And I don't I don't know how these things uh, get investigated. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, Zverev of the top tennis players seems to have a dark cloud looming over him. I mean, we're not going to rehash the whole Asia tour situation. We're not going to rehash him parting up in Monaco after that. But he seems to have this dark cloud looming over him. And whether the allegations are true or not, I think just like we've said about other tennis players before, I think he's got to take a really long, hard look at himself and maybe ask why? Why? Like, why him? Why him and not Schwartzman? Why him and not, um, you know, why him and not team? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear about these kinds of things from other from other tennis players it always seems to be about him so i'm not i'm not saying that the allegations are true but you know i think that whether they're true or not that he does have to take a look at the source have, have some introspection yes introspection is necessary mm-hmm. and so we wanted to wrap um and th- and and do so by first thanking uh, our friend from Australia who <laughs> who knows that we have a, a propensity for having little sidebar digs and sometimes some interactions <laughs> on social media with the one, the only uh, Nick Curios. So um, in an effort for him, I think, to have us take a different look at our f- our lovely friend. Uh, he sent us a clip of a new reality show. So, mm-hmm. um, in that's uh, an Australian show called Reputation Rehab, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, as you can sense by the title, uh, <laughs> the goal of the two uh, co- the co-hosts of the show, uh, two um, lovely and funny ladies. <laughs> I assume they're comedians. I, I don't know exactly what their background is, but. The goal is for them to assist uh, people in um, in their own sort of reputation makeover. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is exactly the premise. Yeah. Uh, so he sent us the clip of the show, and it was a cute 25-minute show. Um, by the time I uh, clicked on the link, it had had 63 views. Oh, really? That's yeah, it? That's it. Interesting. So I think we were among the first adopters to get to see the show, and it's well-produced and, and pretty funny. And, and Nick actually uh, participated um, in an interview with the two comedi- comedian ladies. What did you think of the show? Okay, sorry. I, okay, I'm going to share what definitely what I think about the show because I, 
I mean, just to give a little background, I woke up this morning at 5.30. At 5.30, Tyrone uh, messaged us, I think, around that time or maybe the night before. The night before, and I, yeah. And I didn't open up the link. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting ready for school. I might as well watch this 30-minute episode. But he started off his message to us by saying, I know you guys hate Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But this is actually really interesting. Watch with a grain of salt. And I just wanted to address that comment because maybe we're being, we're misrepresenting our feelings toward Nick. And, you know, I just wanted to ask you, Jay, like, what are your feelings toward Nick? Because clearly you and I, and I think it's safe to say you've had a little bit more of a dig on Nick (laughs) than I have. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, you know, shift the onus onto you, but you know, I've had digs at Nick before, but do you hate Nick? No, I don't hate him. I feel like, you know, as he points out in the episode, I believe he likes to mess around (laughs) and troll people on Twitter. So (laughs) as somebody who does that, I presume that he uh, is okay to take a little um, ribbing himself. Secondly, I do think that uh, he is somebody who has uh, limitless potential, but he puts his own limits on himself by his behavior, and I think from from his own feelings or you know lack of desire for playing the sport that he has chosen. Mm-hmm. He's sort of in that um, in that Andre Agassi category. You know, if you read mm. his book, yes. Open, he talks a lot about how he hated tennis because his dad made him practice uh, so much and he didn't really find any love because he was in a way a bit I think abusive in how he um, trained with Andre on the Mm -hmm. court Uh, but uh, Nick I think had a love uh, more so for basketball and doesn't necessarily um, have the joy for tennis and maybe it's just because of his personality he he's not necessarily suited for the sport and the spotlight and the fact that um, the majority of players are bland and boring as he might put it (laughs) so I think um, he sets himself up within a sport that um, doesn't pride itself or doesn't elevate players that have the personality that he does Mm -hmm. yeah he does say in the episode that you know sometimes he loves the grind of tennis you know, he loves putting in the work. He loves the training. He loves being on the court. But he also he also is very honest. And he's like, sometimes I hate it, mm-hmm. you know. And he said in particular that he hates losing, you know. And um, in that way, I think, I think what I got most from the episode was that, you know, he does, he obviously has this bad boy moniker. And the media loves to proliferate that image of him and you know, as a consumer of the media, we just shape our own narrative about him without actually really knowing. And, you know, when I watched that episode, I found him really charming and and really kind of disarming. And so I was like, oh my God, maybe I do like Nick (laughs) (laughs) Curio. There's so much, there's definitely so much to like about him. And I appreciated when he said that we don't, uh, as viewers of tennis, understand what it's like to be out there on the court in a sport where you're all alone Mm -hmm. and all eyes are on you and you know how you behave and how you perform and you know he talked about 
people who would say to him, you know, why didn't you hit a shot like this or that? And and you you know, you and I as tennis players know that's that ain't how it work. You <laughs> that ain't how it works. You have to have you know those natural instincts and sometimes all of that comes with practice and but I think you know where he gets in his own way is he does he did admit in uh, another clip that continued to play on the YouTube after (laughs) after that show um, you know he he has admitted that he has to work harder if he's ever going to um, sort of win Grand Slams and at at this particular level um, he's he's not quite there yet and it was it was a, a Wimbledon post-match interview at Wimbledon where he was saying that. And I think that's where it came from, that he didn't necessarily um, have the desire to or or the skill at the moment to win Grand Slams. Mm. What do you think about what he said when he... I mean, he made reference to it a couple of times in the episode. He said, tennis is a traditional sport. And, you know, he what I got from the episode was that he doesn't necessarily fit that mold of the traditional, you know, the traditional view of tennis and tennis players. And, you know, the two hosts had a funny kind of segment where they're like, well, let's give you a couple of suggestions and what you think about these suggestions in terms of spicing up the sport of tennis. And one of the suggestions they gave was, you know, why don't we give players mascots like teams have in the NBA and Nick said tennis players don't really have a personality either (laughs) what's Novak going to be a pelican (laughs) and he called Boris Becker a donut and then he goes into this whole thing about how he loves trolling people and you know just to remind our audience he called us albatrosses (laughs) so what did you think about that segment I mean yeah I think it's true you know tennis is sort of um has a reputation as of that prim and proper sport but as he pointed out to us when he was putting that dig on us uh tennis in and of itself is entertainment and he points out that when 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 i you know ribbed him on the faa comment Mm -hmm. uh faa (laughs) is somebody (laughs) felix felix is somebody who's gonna sell tickets much like a a Nick Kyrgios match might sell tickets. So, yeah, I think some players have personality. Some players, you know, win and they win with elegance and that's why people love Federer and they love Nadal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's, there's, uh, I think there's another layer of potential with, with players who can, you know, bring a bit more fire and a bit more personality. I yeah, mean, we've talked about this in the women's game. There's, there seems to be a lack of personalities on the women's side as well. Yeah, I mean, Naomi, I think, has a bit of a personality, but anyway, yeah, there definitely is not that distinctive personality that you would think of mm-hmm. immediately. Um, do you? Can I share with you what team said about Curios recently? Sure. Did you re- did you read that? I did not know. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay, I want to know what you think about this. So, team says of Kyrgios, quote, he is distinctive. You cannot replace him. He is totally unique. Tennis should be happy to have such a person. This sport hasn't seen anyone like him before and probably never will. People either hate him or they love him. Deep in his soul, (laughs) he is a very nice person. Some years ago, we discovered the 
we discovered the Acapulco nightlife together. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So many questions from this quote. I mean, I think that he's having a bit of a love fest with Kyrgios, but like, what do you think's going on there? I think, you know, people like team and people like Andy Murray appreciate him for who he is. Mm -hmm. As a tennis fan, I definitely will tune into his matches. I think he's thoroughly entertaining to watch. The times when I get frustrated and I tune out and I start to really not appreciate who he is is when he's on the court and not putting in his yeah. best effort and he's yeah. had multiple matches where it looks like he's he's phoning it in yeah and you know to to your own point curious about the fact that this is entertainment people have paid their hard-earned money to see you compete and um I think you should give them the um the benefit of having spent their hard-earned money by putting out your effort uh, on the court and showing energy and enthusiasm for a sport where you can make tens of thousands of dollars for winning a two-set match. Yeah, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, honey bun. Yeah, and you the, know, your you... sword is your racket. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the Zverev story. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nick, all that to say you are entertaining and, you know, I loved seeing that side of you in that uh, show. Yeah, no, I appreciate that he, you know, probably picked up the phone. You know, what <laughs> what is this show? Reputation Rehab. What do you wh- why would I be on your inaugural episode? <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, was willing to have a bit of fun with himself. So he obviously understands uh, what it is to be entertaining and to have a little fun with his own personality and not take himself too seriously while also reinforcing all the players that he hates and have has no personality by calling them <laughs> Pelican. <laughs> so appropriate. That would be his mascot, Djokovic, a Pelican. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Everybody enjoy yeah. the Paris Masters. And we'll see you next week. Speaking yeah. of entertaining, we hope that we're entertaining all y'all. And, you know, just a little a nod to Jeffrey, one of our listeners. We hope you were entertained. Tainted. <laughs> <laughs> he liked when we did that before. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!